0: For June 29th, 2020, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 626. You'll get your chance. You'll all get your chance. Overthinking it, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are like a squadron of flying aces, uh, ready, ready with our bravery, ready with our insanity, ready with our genius to uh, bring down our alien attackers on Independence Day. That's right. Uh, you know, you may have wondered why you have been hearing fireworks more than usual recently. It's because the Overthinking It podcast had them all. We It was part of a gigantic promotional campaign for this episode of the podcast in which we are going to revisit Independence Day in light of all of the unprecedented – trademark – uh developments that have happened in uh you know in america since the release of the film i am matt rather and i am uh i am here with uh my co-pilots mr pete fenzel pete hi matthew is this the uh,
1: glass bulletproof <laughs> no <laughs> nope. and, and mark
2: lee you forgot alcoholism and uh, <laughs> the traits of the pilots that seemed to be pretty important in this movie. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. Oh, uh, oh man. So uh, listen, I am a I am a combat pilot. I belong up there with <laughs> with, with my friends. But we yeah we wanted to uh, we wanted to talk about uh, Independence Day the uh, uh, which I view as a movie about a, a beautiful uh, Labrador Retriever who manages to make its way from will smith's house to area 51 uh in you know over the course of over the course of the movie it's it's just an incredible it's i i think the subtitle is a dog's purpose i think that's a an incredible thing no mark why did we actually want to watch independence day uh here in 2020
2: it doesn't make an interesting Airbud prequel does it not (laughs) Uh, we're not here to uh, we used to record an entire podcast about the dog from this movie that would be some great content there no uh, okay so i suggested Fanfic. this a couple of weeks ago to revisit independence day in this year 2020 in this moment as our nation continues to flounder in its response to the coronavirus epidemic and uh, as we continue to grapple with our terrible legacy of racial injustice and have a glimmer a small glimmer of hope of uh, with the recent protests over the murder of George Floyd. Um, And what was my thinking behind this? Well, first and foremost, I look for any excuse to rewatch independence day because it is quite possibly the greatest movie to come out of the 1990s. And it is, it is in, in certain regards, it is perfect. Wow. Shots fired. Uh, So that's just kind of first and foremost, right? It just like independent of context, it remains an excellent, excellent movie and highly entertaining the context. Of course. Now that's really interesting, right? Like, I think just like at a very kind of gut based level like I wanted to see this like aspirational and hopeful movie about how America comes together uh when it's really well in, in in many important ways it is not right now and is riven with division and dysfunction um but i I didn't quite get that experience when watching it turned out i, I there's some ugly crying I'm not gonna lie uh, at, the, at the end of the first act it started to happen and in the second act oh. Ugh, this is kind of a rough movie to watch. This wasn't quite the reaction I was expecting, but I got it. And um, I, I, I don't know if exactly I feel inspired after having watched it, but uh, I, I'm glad we did it because I think we got a lot of interesting things to talk about. Um, and uh, I think that between Matt and Pete, you have uh, an idea of where we should start this conversation. Beyond the fact that uh, um, uh, us confessing as grown ass adults, adult men to each other that we did in fact cry while watching this movie in 2020.
0: Oh, no problem admitting that. I also stood up from the couch and saluted while President Whitmore was uh, uh, was you know making his his speech in the third act of the movie. But uh, uh, you know, let's let's uh, that's probably embarrassing. I probably shouldn't shouldn't admit that. But um, so. So yeah, I, let me. It's a good. It's a good time to, to trot out my boy Slavoy. Uh, Slavoj Zizek, um, the you know, oh God, what do what do I call him? The prominent Marxist uh, theorist. The um, <laughs> two words that don't necessarily go together a lot these days: prominent and, and Marxist. Um, but the uh, you know, the theorist who who writes about ideology and writes about film, and uh, who has kind of wryly observed that when the rest of the world dreams, uh, it dreams of the kinds of privilege. Priv- Privilege that America has, it dreams, you know, um, of being uh, afforded that level of of uh, wealth, of that level of prosperity and security. And uh, when when America dreams it, it in its, in the form of its movies, it dreams about a devastation so vast that it would lose its privilege. Um, but this, you know, uh, this was happening in a. Really, uh, uh, kind of, I guess, like, uh, economic boom. This film was released into, uh, you know, uh, off mic, Mark joked that it was, you know, this was the end of history. This was like, you know, liberal democracy had conquered everything and, and, uh, not conquered everything, had uh, liberal democracy had, <laughs> <laughs> had, prevailed. yeah, exactly, had prevailed, had, had put an end to the conquering of things, right? And that, uh, you know, and so that there was this kind of there was almost this knowingness of kind of being conquered and destroyed by by aliens uh this idea that that it could it could never happen and into this into this atmosphere um you know independence day was released but now Uh, I guess, I mean, I guess we're like what a year off of what, what'll be the 25th anniversary. So we're, we're early. We're, we're getting there. You know, we're like, uh, like as with going to 4th of July fireworks, you want to show up early, bring a picnic, set up your lawn chairs on the grass in the, you know, the, the, to grass the stadium or the field or the civic auditorium or wherever, wherever you're doing it, you want to get there early. And we are, we are here early talking about what it's like to uh, watch this film in 2020. And, and Pete, I guess you had thoughts about like in, in an atmosphere of disaster, how do you feel watching a disaster movie?
1: Yeah, it definitely casts it all in sharper relief. I would say first and foremost Well, I guess I'll say first and foremost that while I was watching this, my wife turned to me and said, is this the best movie about aliens? And I paused and I said, oh, she is. Is this the best alien movie? She asked and I (laughs) I paused and I said, well, there are other movies that are better about aliens, but this might be the best movie about people. Uh <laughs> and what i meant was it's, that's good. it's the that's, best that's movie oh. about how people are it's the best movie that draws a contrast between the behavior of people and like the abstract concept or sort of fictional concept of an alien invasion. Uh and of course i mean that's it's a joke and there's a lot of other good movies that that are along these lines but but i think that that Starts to zero in on what's going on. I'll also say if you're worried that Independence Day doesn't hold up, I think given the various stress tests you would put it under in the present day, it does hold up. In fact, Independence Day probably holds up better now than it did a year ago, right? Because a year ago, you might have been like, oh, man, there's too many gay panic jokes, right? And like, oh, it's a little bit uncomfortable. Um, And now it's like, oh, wow, this is a movie about people facing devastation. Right. And, and about like, you know, rifts in society and people failing to see obvious things and failing to help each other in obvious ways. And it, just, it did definitely change the way I saw this movie. And I would even venture to say, and this is something I felt like I felt a little bit while actually watching these movies, these all these disaster movies, the first time that they were coming around. You know, Twister isn't about a Twister. It's about a divorce. Right. That uh. In this particular movie, it's not so much about the fetishization anymore of watching all of these kind of monuments destroyed, uh, all of these cities destroyed. Because, you know, we've experienced since then a fair amount of like, you know, buildings being destroyed for various reasons and horrible suffering and death at an incomprehensibly vast scale over the course of the past couple of months. Right. Like in all of these different uh, in these all these different places. And and what it really seemed like it was about to me Was in a deep sense that might be a little bit buried that the real thing, the real problem that's being posed by this prosperity that's being fantasized as being removed is that with the prosperity comes structures that interfere with the various. Well, it's it's a multidimensional thing. They interfere with various ways that people participate in their own lives and in, in the lives of the people around them. Uh, the, the, the clearest example you could say in Independence Day is that when everything is fine, NASA rejects Will Smith as an astronaut, right? And they have a conversation where it's like, oh, man, you know, you got to be careful. You don't know whether you can marry your wife. You can, you don't know whether you can marry the woman you love and live with and whose son you care for and treat as your own. And let's just say is his own son, right, in, in every way that matters. Uh, You can't marry her because she's a stripper, and if you do that, you're never going to be able to fulfill your career aspirations, right? And that's how it is going at the beginning of the movie. This is not necessarily how you think about Independence Day, right, prior to the events of 2020, that it's a movie about, you know, the kind of strange prejudices and choices and warped ways that people perceive each other that get in the way of what should be simple and obvious things, like Will Smith jumping in front of the— all of the senior staff, right, at near the end of the movie and being like, I'm going to fly the spaceship. I know that I'm qualified to do it. And I have the faith in myself and and I have now the renewed faith in all of you to make the right decision that I'm going to take the risk of going out there and just saying the truth. Right. Um, And that, that 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 Independence Day is a movie where as the as the structures that are associated with the fully operational society fall away, people confront the things that they've taken for granted, the things that they've lost, the things that they've convinced themselves have to be true in order to explain the things that seem wrong about the world that they live in, right? Um, I mean, Independence Day... You, everybody thinks about, you know, the third day, right? Well, the, everybody thinks about the invasion and the and the blow and the sort of the spaceships show up and the power Mac and everybody thinks of the fight that, that they take the fight to the enemy, right? But there's a lot that happens in the middle where people really wrestle with a lot of loss and – and question a lot about what they're doing with themselves in ways that are pretty layered and and present some pretty interesting patterns and connections, uh, you know, in our in our drinking game, which hopefully we'll get a chance to play on Saturday uh, via Zoom or somewhat uh, with some of our, our usuals. It, one of the drink things you always drink in is when two people from different walks of life share a look of mutual understanding, right? <laughs> right? Which you see in a sort of celebratory kind of vivacious and positive Fourth of July situation as like the cool thing that's being celebrated as Maybe not what we do as a rule, but part of what we aspire to symbolically by aspiring to the idea of America that we love. Right. Which is, of course, not the real place uh, because, you know, reality never lives up to expectations, but also because hope has to run ahead of run ahead of uh, of 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 affairs, of things, of of the now. Right. Hope runs ahead of the now. Right. Um, You have to hope that America can be better before it will be better. Uh, and and Independence Day is a movie that does not take for granted that America has a lot of really deep structural problems. Um, and I would say the world at large, but it gives the world at large kind of a, sh- uh, 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 a free pass by – presenting them not so much as people but as stereotypical outfits there's
0: there's even a there's even a sop to peace in the middle east when the you know it's this this movie's peace plan is alien invasion pete is very i mean your point about institutions is really really interesting i think because like the relationship of good institutions to bad institutions or institutions that that sort of work versus don't work and sort of in the before time and in the in the after in the after time in the sort of stripped down time right like because there is, to a certain extent, it's, it's perverse to say this, but to a certain extent, there is something preferable about the aftertime because Will Smith gets to be a hero, right? He gets to be an astronaut and he always should have been able to be an astronaut, but it took this uh, for this to happen. But then there, there are – or for him to get married, as you say. Then there, there are another – a couple you know of these like in the before time jeff goldblum can't get uh can't get in touch with Eleanor Waldorf from Gossip Girl, with his wife, uh, he can't get in touch with her on the candy bar side, on the you know shoebox size cell phones. Uh, he he can't reach, and she hangs up on him. But in the end, like there's kind of a, it's like a Shakespearean comedy. There's a double wedding. Uh, one is a remarriage of Jeff Goldblum to his wife when she realizes that he still wears uh, their wedding ring, and uh, you know it's kind of a spiritual reconnection. A re- renewal of vows, and then you know the other one, like the institution of marriage, is sort of celebrated with, uh, you know, with Will Will Smith and and his wife, and that like the Vibita whole A Fox, yes, an
1: awesome name that should always be remembered. Who is Vibita a A Fox?
0: Who is a dancer? What kind of dancer? Exotic, and the. <laughs> Don't be sorry.
1: I'm not.
2: How beautiful
0: is that line? Sorry, I'm not.
2: Let let, let me add the the, the biggest one of them all, right, Uh, which is that the military – in the before times, the military-industrial complex is shown as just throwing men into the meat grinder and being incompetent and and all capped off with a failed nuclear strike over American territory, right? And all the meanwhile, uh, the, 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 the Secretary of Defense, former CIA head, knew that the aliens were out there and that they probably were a threat. But you know, just didn't bother telling anyone, right? And then fast forward to the aftertimes when um, the, the plucky Americans resort to Morse code and, again, throwing the aforementioned alcoholic uh, in, in on a suicide mission to, to blow up the aliens and save the day. Yeah, I mean,
1: I'll, I mean, I'll give you another example, right, of, of kind of the weird ways in which the pre-world of Independence Day has kind of warped uh, the the nature of what people should be like, right? Independence Day has a really – I feel like this is a scene that is kind of surprising, has flown under the radar as long as it has, right? It has a Top Gun scene at the beginning. Uh, Do you guys know what I'm talking about, the Top Gun scene?
2: Mm, which one? So, so I mean, I guess there's so much there's so much fighter, yeah. There's so much yeah. fighter pilot bravado in there, like you know, they're, 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 there's a lot to read into it. But which one are you thinking of, please?
1: So, I think one of the characters that I really wanted to go into a little bit as we're talking, and there's a lot to go into. Uh, we could talk forever about this movie, and that's why we've podcasted about it multiple times already. Um, so, you have Randy Quaid's character in the movie, right? If you follow his his history, right? He's a he's a Vietnam, a traumatized, presumably Vietnam veteran, an alcoholic who at some point was married, and I don't know whether the kids that he takes care of are are his biological children or are adopted from his marriage or from his love. I don't remember a lot of detail about the relationship with the mother, and I don't think it's particularly put forward in the movie, but the idea is that... Uh, you know, Ra- Randy Quaid's character has come back from Vietnam and is incapable of really functioning in society uh, due to pretty severe substance abuse problems and one would guess mental illness. And uh, and yet he still manages to care for these three kids who are uh, who are Mexican and or native, right? Right. Like they are they are They're uh, it's it, They're a little bit. It's a little bit ambiguous exactly what their ethnicity is. But they're they're very clearly like Representative of the I mean, I want to make sure I want to see if I get the the terms right, because it's like uh, they have they have some Native American, you know, uh, presentation, but they have Spanish names. Right. So so you're assuming that maybe if they're in uh, Southern California or like uh, Arizona or Nevada. Right. That like that she's from Mexico or something like that. But at any rate, um, you know, he has this next generation of kids who are all, you know, as they would say, like Latinx at the very least, right? If not also native in some respect. And he's caring for them, right? But but he's not able to really provide them with very much. And they're kind of on the outs and, and they don't really have much of a structural advantage in society at all. But, and he's trying to hold, make thems meet as this crop duster. And there's this scene where he is flying the crop dusting plane over the field, right? And he's in the airplane and his son, Miguel Right. Is is driving along the street in a motorcycle. And it's it's a mirror of the scene from the beginning of Top Gun Mm. where Maverick is riding his motorcycle past the airport. Right. And the the fighter jet takes off and he does this like fist bump at the fighter jet that's taking off. And it's Randy Quaid in his little biplane. Um, which, which does on one point it's shades of the original ending, which is that Randy Quaid is denied the use of a proper military aircraft due to his, uh, his mental state and his substance abuse and has to, and then like goes back and gets his biplane and fights the aliens in his biplane, which would just strain credulity too much. The actual shot looks ridiculous. Um, and they changed it to him actually getting to fly in a jet, but it still echoes this idea that like he's raising a Latin maverick. Right. He's like he's like cooking together this, you know, problematic relationship between the pain of the past and the hope for the future with this symbolic character who means a lot to everybody, even though he's not particularly relevant to their current day circumstances. Right. Um, and the fact that this kid gets to perform being Maverick because it's kind of kind of it's part of his life um and yet at the same time he's never really going to get any of those opportunities i mean he they don't even go to school as far as i know right <laughs> I, I, I mean i think they do oh, yeah because he says oh it's going to be the end of the semester when when that 90s heartthrob is trying to make out with the girl in the motorhome or whatever's going on they do mention that school exists but it's like these are not kids who are like you know on the fast track to ap classes they don't have those kinds of opportunities and yet they're being invited in in their hearts and in their relationship with their father to this sort of shred of a broken notion of the American dream. Not even the American dream because that implies that what they mean is a house but more the sort of sense of glory and the sense of kind of, of thrilling self-realization that you could be whatever you want when you grow up and just a coherence between what you do with your life and what you think of yourself. That, that is, I mean, it, it was really, if anything, is the independence in this movie. I kind of think that might be it, right? The independence of your own self-image from the structural and institutional uh you know weights that are tied around your feet by living in modern society right like that's what you need to declare you need to declare i need to be the person that i was always supposed to be right and so in the end when it's like oh You know, your dad did something very brave. You should be proud of him. And the assumption is, of course, because he's a drunk and because he is a he's a loon and a conspiracy theorist and he's laughed at by everyone and they all make gay jokes about him. You you know, you you probably aren't already, but you should be proud of him. And he goes, I am right because he he is proud of him and he was proud of him. And, yeah, you know, caused him a lot of pain. And, you know, it was really tough to be like, hey, you keep screwing up at work and I need you to be here for this family. I can't raise them myself, although now he has to. Right. Um, Like, these are the kinds of conflicts that are being... That are that are woven into the interstitial, you know, these sort of inter alien fight scenes in Independence Day, and the kind of obstacles that these people are trying to get past.
0: I mean, who even are the aliens, anyway? Man,
1: I mean, that's a good question. I mean, the aliens are us. Is the answer right? They're not that different from us,
0: right? Like, no, yeah, exactly. They breathe. They breathe. They breathe water. They they drink air. You know the yeah exactly aliens. They're just like you and me.
1: Well, I mean, that's not what I mean. (laughs) I don't know. I I, I developed a bit of a scheme, a bit of a plan, or or rather a big of a sort of descriptor of what's going on in this movie. Do you want me to roll out my little schema for you guys? I would like nothing better.
2: That's what we're here for, yeah.
1: So, So, of course, Independence Day... Uh, While it does have all of these sort of complex interstitial touches, it's not exactly subtle, right? So it has three acts that are divided by intertitles, July 2nd, July 3rd, and July 4th. And each of these serves as something of a short film that tells a different story. And the first one is the story of what I would call the sight lines, right? That's the the sort of—I know I'm looking at it from the standpoint of Downton Abbey moments. What are the lines of dialogue in the interstitial scenes that relate to everything that's happening? But it's about— how everybody has their own perspective on what's going on and not only can they not see what's happening to other people they often can't see what's happening to themselves and so you have you know jeff goldblum is still wearing the wedding ring and it has to be commented on it's like well you're still wearing that why like do you see yourself is kind of the answer right or do i see you uh, the president, of course, needs to be convinced like, hey, you know, you're you're doing too much politics. You're, you're compromising too much. You're not you're not sticking to your guns, they say. You're not being true to yourself. You're not telling people the truth. And that's why you're doing poorly. And that's why you're unhappy is what's implied. And, and that's why your presidency is failing is because you you've you've kind of given up on this degree of honesty. And he's incapable of seeing it. He doesn't know. But other people know and they can tell him. Uh, But even even more than that, it's, you know, the kids see what the dad needs to do. Right. The kids, see know, what Randy Quaid needs to do. Um, Will Smith. The the joke example is like Will Smith doesn't see what's happening because he's asleep (laughs) because he can't. He needs to wake up and actually look out his window and see what's and read the newspaper, which is such a great little moment. Um, Thinking that it's earthquakes, but it's but it's all about everybody. Oh, I need to call my mother. Oh, I I can't. the, the, The sort of the people who we must see in a different light now who at one point I think were, were being ch- chastised in this movie for being overly liberal. We, we now can say that we know people like this, probably the ones who were psychologically incapable of greeting the aliens with anything other than joy, Right. Like, oh man, this huge existential threat is coming and it's going to kill all of us. Like, I can't help but not be happy. Something is terribly wrong with me, right? Like, I,
2: I, I can't- I, I guess you know? that means I don't have to pay my student loans anymore.
1: <laughs> well, I don't think it's even that pragmatic, right? It's the sort of, I mean, it, it makes me think of things like, you know, the, um, the real yearning for purity that accompanies people who don't want to vaccinate their kids, right? That there is a sort of buoyant joy in feeling like, If, you know, we ought to be pure and we are pure and we open our hearts with love to the world and this notion that our kids could get sick and thus we should give them these injections, which will make them cry and might give them some slight symptoms, right? Like. Like there's this idea of not wanting to compromise your joy in the face of of real problems that I think felt to me as like pretty current. Right?
0: Well, Where yeah, like- I mean it's it's Pete. If your if your kid is crying, you are you are neither living nor laughing nor loving. So <laughs> but, okay. you know. but the, I mean, actually, as evidence for the the as evidence for your read of the like welcome, uh, you know, welcome our our new alien overlord uh, crowd having their you know. Having their party on, on the roof against, uh, you know, in contravention of the advice of uh, the authorities— though ironically many of the people on the roof are wearing masks they're alien masks <laughs> but they're masks they're right? doing
1: a better job yes this is uh, a movie that has lines like don't take your mask off right and i can't breathe yeah. that that were not meant in the context in which they are understood now um <laughs> uh, the
0: amygdala it's, is a powerful thing right it's true it's um, a, it's difficult but but like they are uh you know the signs that they're holding I, if you like if you were to pause and freeze frame and look at some of the signs this signs are like things like "be me up please you know like take me you know take me away take me to your leader get me out of here right like and this is you know and or like um uh the one that uh that um the character, the stripper character, who we who we meet, I actually forget if she has a name or not. Um, but but by the way, this is a movie that passes the Bechdel test because the strippers have a conversation <laughs> about uh, going to the going to the alien welcome party, the uh, you know the open house for the. Uh, you gotta
1: remember her name though for it to count, man. Um, I think it's you know it's not that I'm like looking through the list so we're trying to find out. There's so
0: many characters in this movie. I know there there's some. <laughs> many. But there's hers says um something something along the lines of make yourselves at home. Right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so like the it's it's interesting the the yeah, it's interesting because it's, it combines a, it combines a couple of things. Like, there, there is a kind of, in this sort of purity that you're talking, it, it it's figured as a kind of release, right? And like, it's, it's a kind of exaltation, you know? And that, what, it, what it reminded me most of from the, you know, from the, like, the contemporary culture was a rave. You know, mm. and that like they were dancing, you know, they were in this kind of like illicit urban, you know, industrial space, that is to say on a helipad on the uh, the U.S. bank building. Um the whatever, you know, 75 story building in downtown Los Angeles, uh, which was until someone built a, like a radio antenna that was bigger than it. So it's no longer, I think technically the largest building downtown, but like, you know, they're at the highest point. They, they shouldn't be there. Their helicopter is circling and they're having this kind of like, you know, joyous, uh, may as well be drug fueled. Cause you know, why not assume that like, uh, you know, there, they are a bunch of burnouts anyway, like, uh, uh, you know, cel- celebration and that like um, and that they want to get away, you know, yeah. they, they want to like, they, they want to leave their sort of compromised or sort of impure life behind and, you know, escape to something better, uh, which is a kind of, you know, which, as I say, is a kind of exaltation or is a kind of like a uh, purer uh, is a kind of more pure Vita, more, you know, <laughs> yeah. that they can, uh, that they can, um, that they can escape to with the help with the help of the aliens. Anyway, it's, yeah, it, it struck me. I think you're you're absolutely right. Yeah.
1: Another good example, which felt very current. And actually, I don't think I mean, I drew a fair amount of insight from it, I think, uh, is the moment where Jeff Goldblum is in the cable studio, or in the technical in the sort of control room of the cable company. And he has a printout, and he's reading the data about the cycles of the radio frequencies and how the the sort of recapitulation of them is, is decaying and how this information has, like, important implications for what's happening with the objects. And everybody else is watching the TV of the White House and what the president is saying, and I thought that that was really fun and sad example of like the sort of nature of scientific knowledge and scientific discourse and how it can remain so separated from the evolution and kind of communication associated with kind of culture and 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 the things that influence people like this is a movie that starts with the scientists figuring out what's happening right and then everybody else uh just doesn't really end up talking to them until the end and it's not just about everybody else being ignorant it's that they speak different languages they, they see from different perspectives and i mean in this movie they were both in love with the same woman and so they need to like overcome right their kind of uh their kind of telenovela and more kind of practically discursive obstacles in order to realize that oh the president is the person who has the connection with people to tell them to do things and the scientist is the person who can figure out what the actual thing you need to do is, maybe those two people, maybe the president needs to be pulled out of his meeting with a whole bunch of other random politicians and put in a small meeting with the scientist so the scientist can tell him what's happening and then he can use his platform to relate to everybody, hey everybody, this is what you should do, (laughs) right? Like maybe something like
0: that would be a good idea, right? Um, Oh, you you meant the president. I was hung up for a second because I thought, wait, Jeff Goldblum and Harvey Firestein are in love with the same woman?
2: <laughs> yes, it's Cyndi uh, Lauper.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, so, I, 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 by the way, I have a darker view on the Jeff Goldblum character, uh, vis-a-vis, sure. also vis-a-vis Randy Quaid, but p- we'll put a pin in that. We'll come back to it. Because I think so that's, you're, that's you're the, kind of, yeah, you're walking that's us that's through the... the scheme.
1: The, the first act is the everybody has different sight lines, like the alien spaceships have to circle the Earth in order to... Uh, Get a full view of all of it, because otherwise each of them is only going to have certain sight lines, which is illustrated on a pad with a pen, which, you know, in today's movies would be done with CGI for one hundred million dollars. or something. <laughs> But um, but then the second act is a real stinger, and it presents us with two different reactions to what the, the catac- Oh, I should also say, so add that the last scene of the first act is is about a, a, a black woman telling a boomer that he needs to get out of his tunnel for his own safety. Uh, and uh, so I'm just going to put that out there that uh, that I will say it was pretty interesting that the, that that scene that everybody makes fun of uh, where the goal where the retriever leaps through the door is about like ha- you need to break through the wall and get out of your tunnel in order to survive, yeah. um, which which I mean, maybe I mean, again, you don't have to think that that was intentional. I just thought it was cool. And it adds something some of the new experience watching it. Second act, though, there's the two propositions, right? There's the idea of. The aliens are not different from us, and in learning about the aliens, what we learn is that we need, to, we need to respond to whatever sort of catastrophe is affecting us by becoming catastrophic, right? We need ourselves to transform and like put on whatever mask we need to put on in order to inflict upon the cause of our own infliction something kind of in-kind or to greater degree. Right. And, and that's really what happened. That's the responsibility in our situation. Right. Which is to say, OK, all of these things that we used to care about, like, for example, do you guys remember what the first thing the president does in this movie that lets us all know that he's a good person? This really struck me. Do you remember? He uh, he wakes up next to his daughter. Right. Well, that's true. That's in true. bed. Yeah. But then he gets up and he leaves. He he go. he walks past His, uh, oh, he gives the, he gives the sports, the
0: the sports section to not only
1: says hello to him, but shares with him and gives him part of his newspaper. Right. (laughs) And and I just sort of thought like, that's kind of a, that's kind of an interesting now, Grace. It's, it loses something by being the sports section to us, but I think, you know, to people who more value the sports section, perhaps it's, it's the most precious part of the newspaper, But, but the idea that it's like, this is a leader who cares about the people who are on his team and who is not greedy with his own things. He shares what he has with uh, with others and in particularly with black men, which is a big thing that he does in this movie, which is share the limelight. Right. And and provide opportunity and resources to a black man who is very capable of doing a very important job. Um, But anyway, that all notwithstanding, you know, okay, we need to ditch all of that. We need to forget about the part of us that is connected to, you know, sympathy and softness and love right and and mercy
2: and ingenuity also yeah creativity comes, comes the right third. yeah
1: yeah creativity all of these kind of qualities that we've had that we've exemplified but that we've exemplified are kind of twisted or broken in some way and we just need to cut off what's broken and get to that core of violence and that's what's going to get us out of this and that is contrasted against i think the really lovely couplet of you know which which jeff goldblum's wife um, oh, what's, you, you mentioned her as a specific character from a specific uh, TV show. She's Eleanor Waldorf
0: from Gossip Girl. I forget the name of the character in the uh, in the film.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, what's the name of the actress? Mary McDonald. Uh, no, no, that's that. She's the she's the president of the <laughs> Battlestar, who is the first lady. Um, <laughs> is it Margaret Colin? So Margaret Collin says to Jeff Goldblum, "You know, don't you? Didn't you want to be part of something special?" And he says, "I was part of something special." right yeah and and that for me is the real statement of purpose in the second act of independence day which is the act where harry connick junior dies right where where um you know the uh del toro is attacked and all this stuff but where where like all of these the first lady dies Right. And, and all of these people that we really care about are lost. And there's this horrible reckoning with this sort of annihilation of, of this this world that we lived in. And, and, and we have to cope with the fact that the world wasn't all that great. The world that was lost in certain ways. And, and it was getting in the way of us being who we needed to be in certain ways. But but let's not for a second trivialize what that loss constitutes and and furthermore what it gave us of value and I, and I think that this all comes together in a wonderfully sublime little moment which is i think one of the i mean there's so many great moments in the movie the welcome to earth moment is great too uh in, in this part of the movie but also the um the moment where will smith is going to steal the helicopter to fly back to los angeles to rescue his his you know we'll call her his fiance right um and his and his son right uh, for all intents and purposes, and the other... And, of course, it's important that they're both black men in this scene, mm-hmm. right? Because yep. it's it's about... it's Because you can't make it about the idea of, like, I'm stopping you from doing it, right? And And we have an asymmetry of power. No, this is a situation of, like, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? Which means it's useful that there's kind of a mirror relationship. And he's holding the gun to him, right? And he's like, I can't let you go. And he says, do you want to shoot me? Which is, of course let's pause. I'm going to, I'm going to put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that line. Do you want to shoot me? And then he, he puts the gun down and he's like, you know, tell them I hit you. And then we all laugh and forget that what we watched was like a very serious moment. And he flies the helicopter back to save Vivica a Fox and to bring the first lady back and his son back and save all these people. And, and as a result of all of this, people get combined at the end of, of the movie, right. In a way that's kind of necessary, uh, for the story to unfold the way that it does. Right. Um, that this was something that had to happen in order for us to get to the end of the story right. uh, in a positive way. That that you had to turn away from from the idea that you you have to leave behind right your 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 love, right? The idea that that you know you you weren't part of something special. You were just dating a stripper, right? Like no. Uh, you were just working at the you were just working at an electronic shop or whatever he was doing. Yeah, no, well, I was part yeah, of the yeah, yeah, right?
0: uh, Just up? just because she dances go go. <laughs> you are in fact a perfect gentleman.
1: Now <laughs> I do want to pause also and point back because there's a part of this movie that reads super dark now. And I think should. Um and I think that in the movie it's presented as super dark. And I think in a lot of my previous watches, I was never really fully on board with why and how it was super dark. The scene where they nuke Houston, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like, think of what they actually do, right? What are they actually doing in the scene? Um, You know, Will Smith talking to the other man, the black man with the gun. Do you want to shoot me? The head of the CIA says to the president, the inner cities of America are all evacuated. Right, it's going to be minimal casualties, not no casualties, minimal casualties. Mm. You know who lives in the inner city of Houston, right? It's not people who look like the CIA guy, right? And and the idea that they right. were as sick- we saw
2: with Hurricane Hurricane Katrina, not everyone has the equal ability to evacuate a city.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we know now, right, that the places that are least likely to be evacuated are the hearts of the inner cities where people don't have cars, right. Um, and and, you know, where the traffic is tightest and where people can't go anywhere. And, and so, again, that's nine this is nine years before Hurricane Katrina. I don't really I on one hand, I don't really know if they were thinking this. But on the other hand, the scene is presented so grimly and with such sadness. He was launching nuclear weapons in all the black neighborhoods in the United States. He
0: was in this movie because the CIA got. Well, it was trying, he was trying. You know, he, he was trying one, right? Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> well, they were en route, right? There were fifteen of them. Uh, a, that's now, a good point.
2: I, I don't know how important this detail is, given you know the the broader thematic things you're bringing up here, Pete. But like, you know, had the aliens already like uh, effectively nuked Houston? Like, did they, they shoot their laser cannon into Houston already? So, it was, like, a bunch of people were already dead. And the city was already a wreckage, and they're gonna and they were gonna nuke the ship anyway. Or was that before? Because it was before. No, this is like before. This is like
1: the, the oh. alien ship is getting to Houston, and we're going to hit them when they get there. Oof. No. Yeah. And I mean, again, I'm exaggerating for to make a point, because I don't think that they even have that level of awareness of what they're talking about. They're thinking of it more as like these are our cities. But I do think that line we're of going like, to
2: irradiate our soil for we're going to irradiate no. our
1: soil. We're going to cause nuclear fallout. We're going And the president's like, we're going to kill Americans. Right. And that idea that the CIA guy is like the inner cities are fine. Right. And he's the least trustworthy character in the whole I mean, thing CIA right?
0: checks out.
1: Yeah. And so, like, yes, (laughs) there you go. So so I think there's a moment here where the president who gets a bit of a pass out of ignorance, I think, in this in this sort of what happens with his character in this movie. Right. It's like he goes along with the idea because he thinks it's the only idea that could work. He hasn't he has been convinced that it's not going to have serious consequences to innocent people. Um, And then he does it and is confronted with the horror of it to like a huge degree. Right. That it kind of that it changes who he is. Um, and so, of course, also because they're not real people in this movie. So it's well, like wait, okay, also like uh, but
0: I mean, how so it doesn't work in that sense. He's confronted with, uh, you well, know, yeah, with that's the... true.
1: but I think he's more confronted with what he was willing to do huh. than necessarily that it didn't work. Right. Yeah. And also, how did he get there? He got there by he, for, I'll, I'll say two things. One, he got there after having the telepathic conversation with the alien. Right. And, and that's what made him so angry. And then also the next scene we see him. He's he's carrying his daughter to his wife. And it's like, okay, this is who he really is again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, like he goes through this arc where it's like, I need to be a wartime president, right? To quote, a wartime president. I need to dispense with my human sympathy. I need to not care about the population of the inner city of Houston enough because I need I recognize that, you know, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs, and I need to start launching some nuclear weapons. And he does it, and he's like just repulsed by what he's found himself doing. And then in the next scene, he is back to the way that he was, but changed right from the beginning of the movie where he's with his daughter. Uh, and and it's like,
0: okay, no, he's, he's a, he's a dad. Right. He well, and it's that. yeah. And at that, at that point, you know, as if by magic, the, their family is is restored. Right. Uh, his wife pays the price for, it, yeah, you know, for
1: his. Uh, again, not again, this movie does not hold up two or three years ago. It only really holds up now. because these things, The things that seem really prescient about it are like very, very. Current and high, you know, so this is a movie that is like not particularly nice to its female protagonists in terms of giving them fun things to do, uh, although not the worst, not the worst. A. Fox does get to, you know, have, do a lot of cool stuff um, and uh, but she also has to strip. So what are you going to do, Jasmine? Right. Is her Although, you name? Know, That's I, I she's was... not sorry. So you know, don't be, <laughs> don't be sorry. Uh, uh, and again, as you said, perfect gentleman, as it were. Uh, so, go go no no.
0: <laughs> but I I mean yeah that that is like to to kind of take a. Ha, not not farcical. What do I mean? To take a slightly less uh, solemn view of this, you could you could describe this as the uh, a kind of confusion about genre, right? The movie doesn't is kind of working out what genre it's going to be. Is this going to be a survival horror movie? Is this going to be The Walking Dead, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is about how we need to nuke Houston and like that's the only you know that that like The uh,
1: Walking Dead is morally bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sure. I only watched the first season and I know that much. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's not like that anymore. Maybe they, maybe it's found its soul at some point, but.
0: <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I, I couldn't, you, you, I mean, it's well known to listeners of this podcast that I don't like scary things because they scare me. Um, but the, uh, you know, is it, is it that, is it that genre of movie? And no, in fact, it's, uh, you know, it is a sort of uplifting um you know, movie about, about, uh, uh, people coming together. It's a movie about optimism and about, you know, courage and, and, uh, possibility rather than being a movie, which is about, you know, rather than being a tragedy, which is about, you know, the, 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 the narrowing of possibilities like comedy is yeah. about the, the broadening of possibilities, you know, which is why it's, you know, they're generally, uh, um, connected with marriages and, and generativity. Um, so yeah, so we realized, we realized we're not, we're not in a survival horror, uh, film at the end.
1: Yeah. So like, so, so to, to jump into what happens in the third act. Right. And again, I made the case pretty strong, but the long and the short of it is like, we've realized in the second act of the movie that we, we can't sacrifice anybody anymore. We can't live in like this disregard for the people out there who are suffering because it's not feasible or it's not possible to help them. Right. Uh, because, because, oh, you know, it's unfortunate, but this time around it kind of didn't really happen, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no more nonsense. No more BS. It's affecting you, who you are in your soul and it's crushing you. And it's also crushing the rest of us. Um, there's the movie though, is not about like one way to live your life. Right. So I want to contrast what happens to the president when he encounters the aliens and he gets violent. Right. And he's supposed to be in accordance with the Declaration of Independence, right? The civil power that's supposed to have the military dependent on it and inferior to it, right? He's supposed to be the civilian oversight of the military, even though he himself was a pilot. He's not supposed to let the military drive a bus. Um, and, that's, and then so when he is sort of convinced to launch a nuclear ass- attack, you can tell he's going against his nature and, and the things that would make him better. And, but at the same time, when the guard play by Jane... Right, um, Adam Baldwin uh, is like, is this glass bulletproof? You know, no, sir. That scene where he shoots the alien, you can get the sense that he is fulfilling his purpose. Right, <laughs> like, and and so there are situations, and like, there's a scene early where Robert Loggia is like, you know, uh, talking to to Bill Pullman. It's like, are you going to be with me? And it's like, always. And, and the idea is like, okay. These people are partners and they each have a different role in this relationship. And in order for America to work, each person who's in this particular space, both needs to be actualized and fulfilled in what they're doing, but also needs to recognize that they can't be personally in charge of everything and everybody else. There's a certain amount of independence. And and this comes together in one of my Mm. favorite scenes on rewatch in the third act, which is the act about faith um, and faith in each other and faith in ourselves uh, and, and, you know, the, the hope and faith that, that we can, the hope and faith that the people that we depend on can actually do their fricking jobs, right? Is <laughs> it's, it's part of what the third act of independence day is about, but there's a great scene where like Adam Baldwin is talking to Margaret Collin and they're at the console in area 51. And, and she's like, well, what's going to happen if the aliens fire their weapon? And he's like, well, you know, the mountain will provide us some protection. And it's like, okay, her job is the press secretary or whatever. Is to rec- care about the public. And his job as a security guy is to care about things that shoot things. And then when she says, like, well, what about the people outside? You know, right? And there's this moment, a look between them of, you know, mutual understanding where he's like, I never thought of that before. <laughs> right? like, like, wow, like in my job, I'm really good at shooting things whilst avoiding getting shot myself. Uh, I never really thought about like managing civilians. Uh, wow. You know, you've given me an idea. And I'm good at this part of it, and you're good at that part of it. And then if we work together, then maybe this whole stupid thing can, keep, can start functioning the way it's supposed to. It's, it's, it's point,
0: almost like your standing army is not a, a force for regime change or nation building. And that, uh, you know, that, that yeah, you need uh, Eleanor from uh, from Gossip Girl to, to, you know, handle that, handle the civilian stuff.
1: Well, but you also need somebody to, like, open the doors and get them in the base. And and build the base in the first place. So it's like both of them, but exactly right. Like, you know, the, the people in charge of the guns shouldn't be in, shouldn't be the ones who dictate what happened to the people, but the people who are in charge of the people aren't necessarily the people that you want to be giving a gun to. Right. So it's it's sort of like, and that's, and that's, that's what it feels like in independence day anyway, is that, which is, you know, it's a little bit reductive in this respect. Like people are kind of, you know, they lean in one direction or the other. They have a particular sort of emotional talent, like Will Smith's characters, resilience while in the spaceship, believing that he's going to die, is, like, superhuman, right? And so is Jeff Goldblum's, which is less plausible, <laughs> right? Because, right? like, you get the sense that Will Smith is the kind of guy. I and mean, it makes me think of that episode of The Crown where, uh, you know, Prince Philip meets Neil Armstrong, right, where it's like they weren't interesting and the Queen is like, well, you know— their job is to like do a whole bunch of boring things in a row in a very specific way. Right. Like that's what (laughs) they're supposed to do. And they're really good at it. You know, their job isn't to come down here and counsel the, you know, the, the prince of whatever on how to handle his midlife crisis and like what he should be doing with his life. Right. Like you want Will Smith in that spaceship. Uh, you know you you, want, ne- you need you know. Will Smith in that <laughs> space,, <laughs> and so in that respect, his like preternatural calm, uh, which is very characteristic of course of movie heroes, seems somewhat fitting um, but yeah, I would say that the, the, the first act is about how we can 't see each other right, and we can 't see ourselves, and the second act is about how we can 't we can 't and shouldn 't devalue each other it is right? a tra- i mean it 's
0: a trait that is trained into uh yeah i think certain military occupations it reminds me a lot of uh the sub commander in the hunt for red october uh when like mm-hmm. no matter how bad things get like no matter how bad tactically the situation uh they're in you know he just like he's like he understands and like he gives his orders you know <laughs> like because that's because that's his job and you know and apparently that was like there was some sort of research you know that went into that and that was, you know, it was like, oh, in observing, uh, in observing that, you know, the uh, real life analogs of that character, like it was like, oh, this is, you know, this is just this is just what we do. I think the, the the actually the the thing that we should um, appreciate about Will Smith's character is not that he's unflappable under pressure because, uh, you know, oh, my goodness, he, he, uh, you know, flies a warplane worth billions of dollars at, at you know, so you know supersonic speeds, uh, but that he's so personable in his yeah. downtime. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. he can just joke around and be relaxed all the time.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, totally. Like, Brett Spiner is, like, a good example of, of in this movie, of the kind of things that happen to a person's personality when their life becomes extremely specialized. <laughs> it's like, oh, this cool thing started happening. It was very exciting. And he's like, millions of people are dying. I don't call that exciting. And he's like, oh, sorry. I'm a weirdo. <laughs> Oops. <Right?
0: laughs> they don't let us out much. <laughs> they don't let us out
1: much, which is so great. But, yeah, but this third act, I mean, I, I, I struggled a little bit to Determine What exactly it was because so much of it is is so exciting and fun and that I that I didn't like take as many thorough notes. But this notion that it starts with a conversation about loss of faith and that faith, you know, as a concept comes up a bunch and, and and, you know, they even they even like go religious on it a few times. And it's also this the the scene. This is like how many action movies can you think of like take a pause in the middle of a, you know, world shattering alien invasion to have like a contemplative marriage scene. Right. It's, it's like very uh, it's quite a it's quite a left turn that it takes there. Right. And it's this notion of making promises and living up to promises to yourself, to other people. You know, what is it that we need to do in order to make things better? You know, I, I liked the president's speech. The president, I didn't, it never occurred to me watching this movie before that the president gives, I was going to say two speeches, but really he gives three speeches in this movie. We all know the big speech at the end because it's awesome. Uh, And, you know, it was my sister's performed a version of it at my wedding and it was amazing and I'm eternally grateful for them for it. Um, There's the speech at the end, but there's also the speech at the beginning, which is done for the same reason, right? The president is like, people are scared and it's my job to make them not scared. And so what he does then is he goes out there and he tells them everything is okay, which, of course, does not make them not scared because they know that not everything is okay, Right. And this goes back to the idea of like, don't lie. It's not who you are. uh, Right. You know, you you can tell that the fact that you've been dishonest is why you're failing, because it's not in not because lying always is bad, but rather it's not in your nature to lie. And that's what people like about you. Um, And so he has that first time that he makes the speech where he's lying and he's trying to make people not scared. Right. And it is a huge disaster by his own uh, acclamation, although it's debatable whether any of it would have helped or mattered. Right. Like, he, like, you know, at that point, you know, it's it's the aliens are coming and they have no good response to it. But anyway, there's the second speech he gives, which is when he tells his wife that she's not going to die of internal bleeding. Right. And, and he's like he's trying to tell her something so that she's not scared. Um, and she calls him out on it and says that he's a liar. Right. Which this movie is so sad. Right, Like the second act of this yeah. movie is yeah. so intense. Um, you know, like you're going to be okay. And it's like, I'm not going to be okay. And that's the truth. Right. And so then when he comes in at the end, he says, they look, they look a little nervous. Here's another situation where people are afraid. And he's, it's not like his whole role has changed in society, right? It's not like, oh, well, you know, the way that I was doing things before was wrong. So maybe what we really need to do is like have kind of a direct democracy situation where everybody gets a vote, right? Like he's still the president right? and, and, and he recognizes that he was doing things wrong, but that he is not precluding the possibility that he might do things right. And that's kind of one of the ethoses of this movie, I think, is that the people who screw up do have an opportunity, not necessarily because what they were doing before was, like, fundamentally wrong, but uh, and they should be doing something totally different, but rather there was something twisted or warped or wrong about it. And that's part of the storytelling. It has a coherence and a pattern to it. But he gives them the speech at the end to make them not scared. And what does he tell them? They're going to be involved in a giant... Fight against a whole bunch of aliens, right? And It's going to be the hugest thing that's ever happened, right? And and we are we might lose, right? Um, should we win the day, right? Um, and then he engages upon the most difficult thing, which is the attempt to rebrand a federal holiday, which is virtually impossible. Right? <laughs> I mean, Independence Day is a movie about confronting the possibility of renaming a holiday and deciding not to. Uh, right? Is that what it comes down to? But no, it's um. It's that in each instance, he's doing the same thing. He's trying to make people not scared. and And the progression that it takes, right? from his own kind of disappointment with himself to that really just intense, you know, that intense contrapasso of that mutual understanding and that laughter of his of his lying. You know, and and that moment of kind of that crucible that he goes through with his family, the part of him that really matters, and then he comes out at the end and he's able to give this speech because he's willing to tell people the truth. And so, okay, so what's happening at this end here, right? It's 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 is it that he needs to be the person? Not only does he need to have faith in himself. And not only does he need to recognize that there are things about his life from the before time as depressing or annoying as it was that were special and need to be preserved, right? Um, Either in memory or in in the flesh, as it were, right? It's that he needs to be the person that other people can have faith in. Um, And there's this cyclicality to the society. There's a society that's introduced, which depends upon mutual faith. This idea Mm. that like, in order for each of us to be independent – Right. In order for us to be independent, we each need to step into the situation where other people can rely on us to do what we have to do. I mean, and this is what comes around to the Randy Quaid character. And I'll pause there and ask, like, I mean, you guys want to talk about the Randy Quaid character at all because he's ostensibly the hero, I guess, like sort of of his own kind of corner
0: of this gigantic war movie I sure mean, but who's I mean from. yeah it's, it's kind of the leading man well yeah I don't know Will Smith, the juvenile right like you you have to and you mean that in sort of a,
1: a dramatic analysis
0: yeah right? exactly these... that no that's, that, that's like in the idea that there's a leading man a uh, you know a love interest a leading lady an ingenue and a juvenile right like uh, he's the younger he's the younger love interest where you know whereas I I guess but like it's it's funny it's not the president it's it's Jeff Goldblum who's the older love interest right who is the and they are the the uh, Beatrice and Benedict to um, Will Smith and Vivica a. Fox's uh, 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 Claude Claudius Claudio and hero right that like uh they do the you know they they you know sort of relearn to love and and are taught by the kind of the dewy-eyed the the dewy-eyed youngsters um but you know none of this none of this has something to to do with I, i mean i was you know i was thinking a lot about like Collective action and, and also about sort of comparative advantage when I was watching this. And also, you know, when you were sort of talking about like how the politician has to respect the scientists and like, you know, that everyone that everyone kind of has a role to play, that there is kind of an uh, uh, a value to everyone's kind of different contribution. Um, and that like for a movie that's about independence, it's an, it's not about independence as Isolation, you know, uh, it, it's it's about sort of in it's about in interdependence right? Um, rather than than dependence a, l- a little bit, because each of the you know, each of the pieces sort of each of the pieces needs the other and i guess it's interesting um i guess interdependence day is not a very good title uh for for a film um sounds more like a you know a, a um article in a learned journal or something like that but the the uh that is actually kind of an interesting framework to go into talking about the the randy quay character
1: yeah and i've been monopolizing sorry mark i just speechified for like 20 minutes or whatever.
2: Sure. Uh, did yeah, you We, want we to... sit out on the positive note of the Randy Quaid character. And before we do that, I just wanted to complicate a little bit the notion of what we're talking about with uh, Jeff Goldblum, like that the scientist being in his role and that um, uh, all meshing, you know, so well together. And I, I think that interpretation by and large is correct. That the darker notion that I referred to earlier was that uh, this movie does play to the particular, um, I think it, it, it is an American fantasy. I don't know if it's particularly American, but it's it's that particular fantasy of um, I am a man, and it's usually a man who has special knowledge that the establishment does not have. Um, mm-hmm. And only, if only they knew that thing, that special thing, then everything would be okay, and then the system would not be would not be corrupt. And because they don't know that, then the, then the system is is bumbling them around. I'm, I'm referring to Jeff Goldblum, who he, yes, he is a scientist, but he's also like a telecommunications you know, technology worker. Um, and then of course, Randy Quaid, who by the way, may not have actually been abducted by aliens. I think it's probably safe to assume that he was, but you know, the movie just kind of like presents that as a, as a thing that he rants about and then, and then moves along. Anyway, so those two characters, no, it's not to that know that that, 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 that say in the beginning of the movie that the aliens are here, the aliens are here um it's a it's a conspiracy theory uh, up until that point until it turns out to be true and I, I can't think of help a little bit uh of our current situation and like the coronavirus conspiracy theorists and the qanon folks who who think that they are that they are are those lone voices in the wilderness who have the special knowledge and are trying to um get get institutions to uh, uh to uncover themselves and be uncorrupted with that special truth i i i that's a, a particular dark reading of it and like you know when thinking of it all like the, the sorrow and hardship of america and and all those things that that brought literally brought me to tears when watching this movie uh that kind of messes with that but you know it, it it is it is very refreshing and um heartening to hear the more positive framework that we're talking about here so I, let, let's get back on track with that
1: huh. yeah it is tricky right like the 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 uh, there's some, there's definitely that that little moment where they're going through the call center and one guy is like, "I like the X Files too," <laughs> right? like and he's talking to somebody who's pretty clearly like having some sort of flight of fancy about what's going on.
0: Well, there are a um, lot. Of, I mean, there are a lot of uh, little moments like that. Like, do you remember what was on the uh, what was on the radio when I think it's the first time we go to Randy Quaid's kids? Um, or no, it maybe in the diner or something like that. There's a scene where a particular uh, song is on the on the radio. Do you remember Which one? Uh, a particular REM song? Well, that's that's at SETI. That's the very oh, at SETI. SETI. Yeah. Right, right, right. That yeah. Sorry, it's not. No, sorry. It was yeah. The 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 multicultural assemblage that I was thinking of was not Randy Quaid's kids. It was the <laughs> the scientists at at SETI who are a lot more academic looking, a lot kind of scruffier than the you know. Um, than the like the the brent spiner kind of scientist and, 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 though and
2: not not a white male in sight i'm in the group by the way yeah
0: uh, yeah that like um right that that like uh well though i don't know brent spiner is is pl- plenty scruffy i was thinking that that the alien in in a film without a lot of loose ends in a film where even small details actually are pretty well uh thought out to like pay off later um and or at least to kind of relate thematically to what's going on uh it's the um the abduction by aliens doesn't actually pay off in any way i guess he says uh i'm back boys like at the end Um, well
2: and there's this notion that like he was sexually violated by the aliens now he's going to ram his pointy end into their orifice (sighs) I I guess that's the payoff, but it's so juvenile and and a bit of a stretch and doesn't fit with um, with the the rest of the movie. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty clearly like it's not the vindication. You're right in that the thing that makes him heroic isn't the fact that he's vindicated for being abducted by aliens. It's that he's vindicated as a as a fighter pilot. (laughs) Right. Like it's it's his it's his vindication of the part the other part of his past, which he doesn't talk about because he's like a comic character and stuff like we don't really we don't learn much about what he did in Vietnam, (laughs) um, which is instead he's just a fool. And and uh, his opportunity to not be a fool is that I mean, I I cry. I don't know. Even even my wife was almost crying on the edge of tears on that one. And she never cries at movies when when Randy Quaid comes back and, and it's like, I can do it. You know, and and they let him do it and they bring him in and they give him that chance to kind of be that thing that he's good at. Um, Yeah, it's it's it's
0: notable that. Well, and it's always it's actually it's interesting. It's interesting to contrast that scene with another scene of a of a father sort of sacrificing uh, for a child. And that is in Armageddon. Right, oh, where yeah. you know Bruce willis uh Ben Affleck draws the short straw Spo- spoilers, I suppose, for Armageddon Ben Affleck uh, draws space the face sh- madness Continue. <laughs> <laughs> ben Affleck draws the short straw It's it's determined that one of the the characters is going to have to stay behind in order to detonate the explosion that will you know uh, blow up the meteor hurtling towards earth and save earth uh, they can 't do it remotely, so they they draw straws. Ben Affleck draws the short straw, and so he's he's going to do that uh, because he's a movie hero. There's really no reason to presume, you know, from his profession to presume this level of unflappability. Um, so when he says, "Hey, we all got to die. I'm just the guy who gets to do it, saving the world," you know that it's it's kind of uh, <laughs> you know, yes. But like, uh, so he goes down, and you know, Bruce Willis accompanies him down the elevator back to the meteor where he's going to stay, uh, sabotages his air hose or something, shoves him back in the elevator, and Bruce Willis stays there to do it um himself and says, You take care of my daughter. That's uh that's your job now. And he uh you know he does it. But the like the way, you know, it's almost it's done in a similar fashion straight to camera, right? Like now Bruce Willis's is done Bruce Willis's is in a Michael Bay movie and so it's like it's done uh with incredible bombast uh that completely undercuts the kind of the tenderness um and the kind of the poignancy of the moment but he like goes um on a like a video link uh Randy Quaid is is just talking over the radio in his fighter plane and he uh it, you know but he ends up doing it he ends up doing it straight to camera and it's, you know what? Um, it's a lot more understated and he's a comic character and a buffoon, but I'm going to go out there on a limb and say that he, he uh, acts it better, you know, ra- in just kind of saying it simply and, and doing it. It increases the poignancy rather than the Bruce Willis. And actually this is an interesting, interesting contrast because what he says is baby. I know, I know I told you that I promised you I would come back I'm not going to be able to keep that promise now. And that's, uh, you know, um, give, given the idea about kind of like faith and integrity, you know, and integrity is a precondition for faith in each other. Um, it's a, kind of an interesting, interesting that uh, Bruce Willis frames it that way in, in Armageddon. But yeah, it's, it's very, it's very touching uh, almost, you know, and especially because he's sort of, uh, you've counted him out the whole time. Um <laughs> Like, uh, you know, so, so this is his, this is his sort of, this is his sort of apotheosis and, and I guess, but uh, so as not to get too serious with too solemn about it, like then he shouts this like campy, hi boys, I'm back
1: (laughs) in the words of my generation up yours.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um,
1: but yeah, it's he gets, interesting. He gets We're, two yeah.
2: action movie one-liners for the kids yeah. out there. It's, it's quite it's quite gratuitous. But then again, what is this movie if not gratuitous? Right. There's
1: the a there's a moment at the beginning of the second act where he his child stumbles out of the RV, and then he stumbles out of the RV and like steps past his child, and he looks out and you see the trailer park of all the RVs that have kind of been refugeed out into the desert. And then there's a dissolve from the trailer park to Air Force One. And I feel like that that change that transition does so much, right? Because it's like here you have Randy Quaid, who's you know I'm pilot. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm on fly. And the president also is like, I'm a pilot. I belong in the air. There's, there's a lot of like situations like that where the different mm. characters oh. as the movie progresses, start saying the same thing as each other, which they weren't doing when the movie started.
0: Well, the, uh, though it, at the start, at the start of the movie, this is, inter- this is interesting. And we're kind of at We're kind of at our time, but like, this could be a whole other podcast. You could just analyze this in terms of kind of like film technique, right? Because there's a lot of really meaningful cutting in this movie. And like, the the editing does does a lot of work so like the idea that like um someone someone calls someone and the next shot is a phone ringing and someone picks up and answers but it's not it's a different pair of characters talking than the ones in in the previous scene and the uh you know or like um uh you know I don't know like oh we have to go to red alert and the next thing is like an alarm uh going off but it's not the alarm that you think it's uh you know a toaster going or something like that. I mean these these aren't real examples these are these are um it's it's things like this but like the the kind of the the kind of editing is uh, is disorienting because it messes with um it messes with your idea of kind of cause and effect that is crucial to sort of traditional Hollywood edit- editing, where you kind of cut from cause to effect. You cut from, you know, get me, get me the president on the phone to like ringing and it's, and the, the president picks up, you caught you, you know, sound the alarm and the next thing is, but like, um, it does serve to kind of, uh, to underscore the thematic unity and to kind of, it, in a in a weird way, kind of enmesh the characters together in a uh, in a I don't know a uh, a kind a kind of humanness, uh, humankind, that word. Has new meaning for us now that we've uh, we've watched Independence Day. All right, we're uh, we're kind of winding down here, but like uh, let's get let's get some parting sh- uh, shots out or uh, around Independence Day, Pete. Now that you have uh, established the prolegomenon uh, of the three act structure of Independence <laughs> Day, what 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 single point do you wish to make about it? Oh man, um, you know.
1: <laughs> or maybe well, we keep I, going. I mean, I ain't heard no, no fat no, no, lady. No. I'm looking through. I took notes of certain quotes that uh, I thought were really great. And, uh, that I felt like were really meaningful. And, um, I think that one of the, I'll just, I'll just stop by, by reading one of them as my final thought, which is, uh, John Lennon, smart man shot in the back. Very sad. <laughs> 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 leave, what does that mean in the context of Independence Day? I'll leave that as an exercise for the reader. Right? Why throw that in? Out of all the things, right? And I think it's for a pretty good reason. So uh, I will let that ride and let that float.
2: Mark, <laughs> I got a good one. Actually, uh, we're talking about throwing out quotes that kind of encapsulate our feelings for this movie. Um, I voted for the other guy. <laughs> volumes, right? This is uh, Vivica A. Fox saying, "This is the first lady, you know." And, and the point is obvious. Right, right? In spite of our political differences, uh, we will come together uh, in all the ways that Pete uh, just, uh, you know, sketched out, um, and 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 rise to this occasion and defeat our common enemy. enemy. And uh, like the kind of the nagging question uh, for me after watching this movie again in 2020 was like you know the, Amer- the america as depicted in independence day does it still exist did it ever even exist um i mean well it existed in the context of this movie <laughs> and then it is our exercise now to bring those positive traits to reality uh, outside of the movie and declare our interdependence
0: Mm. uh well yeah and in in a world um, you know in a world torn and 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 riven by Racial injustice and violence uh, in a world that uh, where opportunity is you know distributed in an inequitable way for a whole variety of bad reasons uh, in a world where we you know might cower in fear based on our our concern for our health or for our families um, you know wouldn't it be nice wouldn't it be nice if we could live in a world where we could look each person each each citizen each human being each beautiful a uh, unique human being in the eye and say you'll get your chance you'll all get your chance I want to, uh, just highlight one thing. One of my favorite, uh, articles from very early in, uh, overthinking it is, uh, Pete Fenzel's The 10 Best Things I Learned About America I Learned From, uh, The 10 Best Things About America I Learned From Independence Day. Uh, the, the preamble to which is, as we approach this holiest of America's fireworks oriented days off from work, I'd like to talk a bit about how much I love my country. Um, well, uh, you know, I, I won't put anyone on the spot and ask how they're feeling about the country right, uh, right at the moment. But I think we can all agree that we, uh, we love Independence Day. <laughs> And, uh, it it's... might be
1: time to write a new version of that article, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: um, but you'll you'll find it linked in the in the show notes if you want to uh, revisit it, if only nostalgically, from more than ten years ago, uh, because we've been doing overthinking it that long. All right, um, the uh, the the podcast has ended. Let's uh, let's go enjoy some fireworks uh, this week. Uh, everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, um, and. Uh, you know stay interdependent thanks for listening thanks Mark and Pete for podcasting we'll be back next week till then you can find us on the web at overthinkingit.com that's where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it It probably probably doesn't doesn't deserve (laughs) guys I'm in this movie too